Calvary Cast listeners, we're back. Episode 120 coming at you on a Wednesday afternoon. I am Graham Parker, Associate Pastor at Calvary Bible Church, and Jess Miller, Lead Pastor, Calvary Bible Church, sitting across from me. Say hello to the people. Hello. That's all we got. You are now a... You've kind of been cheating on the podcast a little bit. I know. This is my second podcast in two days. The other podcast, much more mediocre. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't I've never know. listened to it. I, I was a guest on it, so I guess we, I won't say that. <clears throat> Our podcast has been going longer than this other podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We killed the other podcast that this man had tried to start. Mm-hmm. That's right. We probably killed. We're probably gonna kill this one again. Sorry. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, it's a it's a church out in Pennsylvania. They asked and me to be on yesterday. The guy to there, talk his last name rhymes, rhymes with Ron Dolt. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they don't have as much banter as we do. We have a little banter in the right. beginning sometimes, yeah. depending on sometimes a lot of banter. We're a pot. We try not to take ourselves too seriously. We have serious topics and conversations, but we also want to have some fun, make it. Enjoyable. You know what? I think we'd have more banter. If we did this in the morning with coffee, we could, right? We could. I don't. Yeah, I mean, maybe we should try it next time, and then we'll let our loyal audience determine which are is we better, better, morning with coffee or afternoon. Yeah, I, I'm not feeling too bad today. I don't feel bad either. So. It's cool enough in this uh, room to the keep dungeon. us awake. So yeah. Anyway, that's all I got. That is it. That is it. Should we get into our... Uh, boy, that was a really awkward transition, but you'd think we'd be better at this after I know. Years. That's what I'm saying, because it's pride comes before it falls. We were being all arrogant over theirs. And then we just burned it. And honestly, their transition was much smoother than what we just did. God. There's always room for improvement. There, are, there always is. Topic of the day. Thank you, AI voice. Uh, let me set us up for our topic today by playing you a movie clip. Hmm. I command you, as king of the Britons, to stand aside. I move for no man. So be it. <laughs> <laughs> Now stand aside, worthy adversary. Tis but a scratch. A scratch? Your arm's <laughs> off. No, it isn't. Well, what's that, then? I've heard worse. You liar. Come on, you pansy. <laughs> do you know what that is from? I do not. Oh, no! I do not. What oh, you just from? crushed me. It's from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Oh, interesting. So in Monty, a lot of people know that. Yeah, a lot of people are not going to know it. Everybody but you is going to know I that I thought scene. it was Braveheart for a while, and then I thought, no, I think no. that's Gladiator, but no, no. okay. That's... Well, here's how it connects, right? So in Monty Python and the Holy Grail, the Black Knight failed to properly triage his injuries. King Arthur, since you don't know the scene, King Arthur comes up to him, and the Black Knight will let him cross the little plank bridge, and so they sword fight, and he cuts off his arm. Mm. 
And then he cuts off his other arm, and then a leg, and another leg. Well, the Black Knight failed to properly triage his injuries, considering his missing arm to only be a flesh wound. Hmm. Failure to recognize the severity of his injuries led him to continue to fight the king, losing the other arm, then a leg, and finally his last leg. So his failure to triage his injuries properly led to his doom. Wow. Is that not good podcast material right there? Yeah, that is. So, in the same way that the Black Knight didn't triage his injuries, so a church not triaging doctrine properly can spell doom. Wow. Wow, man. That's really good. So what we're talking about today is theological triage. Theological triage. What is it? That's what I was going to ask you. What is theological (laughs) triage, Graham? I don't know. Let's open the phone lines and see. (laughs) (laughs) Theological triage is a term coined by Al Mohler back in an article in 2005 uh, talking about how we sort and divide doctrines, what's of most priority down to least priority. Phrase it that way. Categorize essential to non-essential. What do you think about that? Well, I think it's something we do all the time, Yeah, and we're just not cognizant of the fact that we're doing exactly. it. So I think it's something we need to talk about because it is very important. It's essential. And um, we we do this, by saying we do this all the time, I'm saying, like, if you're a member of our church, yes, you had to do this to some degree. Yep. Because you came to our church probably from other churches that didn't believe everything the way we believe things, mm-hmm. and you'd have to read through our doctrinal statement and say, is where the disagreements are in my doctrine and in in this new churches, are these significant enough for me to say, I can't come here? Right. Or are you able to say, no, I can still come here with that? That's theological triage. Well, and even uh, to go through the process of membership, we we there's an element of theological triage because you don't have to agree to the entire doctrinal statement of the church in order to be a member. Yeah. There's core doctrines. We're saying these are the most essential. There's other things in our doctrinal statement you don't have to agree to, but just know that that's what's going to be taught. And in that way, we're doing theological triage. Right. And we always have to do it. It's important to do. So it's important to think through how to do it, mm-hmm. and be, be really aware of doing it while you're doing it. Right. right? Now, uh, some people will hear a concept like this, and they will think, well, all truth, all of the Bible is true, and God's truth, we need to contend for it all. Uh, how can you say one doctrine is more important than another? Mm-hmm. I have had that said to me. Right. Recently, actually. Yeah. Uh, and what we're saying, well, one, I think the Scripture, there's a couple of passages we can bring out here that attest to this. Jesus in Matthew 23 is criticizing the scribes and Pharisees for focusing too much on uh, tithing mint and dill and cumin and neglecting, he says, the weightier matters of the law. Right. So there are issues which Jesus is saying are of greater consequence. That's right. And there are commandments in Scripture that, as he mentions back in Matthew 5, that are there are lesser commandments and greater commandments, same principle, the least of these um, commandments. And so there is, even on the spectrum of commandments, there are greater and lesser. When he says, what is the great, when they ask Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? He said, well, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might. The second is like it. Right. Love your neighbors yourself, right? There is more. 
uh, theological triage, right? To exactly. a degree. Yep. Another passage, and we'll probably talk about this later, but 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, he's, he's explaining what the gospel is. He says, for I, I delivered to you as of first importance, right? Most essential things. Jesus died for sin. He rose from the dead. Those are essential doctrines. Now, I know we mentioned Moeller's article, but did we describe what where the triage analogy came from, the hospital, the <laughs> emergency room? I don't know if we actually did, but because what he that. did is he's talking about this idea of theological triage and how we need it, and he uses the illustration of a right. of an emergency room, right, where the doctors have to make determinations on what's the most life threatening, all the way down to something that the person can wait, right? right, and they have to figure out what's going on, and and triage. Uh, so they get the guy having a heart attack in right away, treat him because that's more significant, more right. severe, more life threatening. And the person that stubbed their toe and it really hurts and they want somebody to look at it, they can wait. Yep. You know, they're down the list. And there's there's things all along the spectrum in an emergency room. And so he's just applying that to theology right. in some of our main doctrines right. uh, that churches teach and Christians believe that the Bible teaches and how to sit there and put those in some sort of order that shows us what is fundamental. Right. What do you have to believe to be saved? Okay, what is not necessarily fundamental, but really important that would bind Christians together, usually in a denomination or in a particular local congregation? And then what are those things that they're not unimportant, but they shouldn't have much of an effect on your ability to worship with other believers. Right. And putting certain doctrines and that in under each of those three or four headings, depending on who you listen to, but is is what you're doing when you're doing theological triage. Let's talk a little bit about why it's important. Hmm. I think it's important, first of all, um, in our context, let's just talk about our context. Right. This podcast is mainly for the people of our church, and yes. the history of our church is in the vein of fundamentalism. Mm -hmm. And I think that fundamentalism wasn't really good at this theological triage, so they would take all doctrines and put them as equal you know, weight Right. So that you had to divide over almost every doctrine, and you had to be right on every doctrine to even have fellowship with somebody. Um, at one point, I believe, and I'm not—I'm pretty con certain this is true with our church, that you had to sign off on the entire doctrinal statement mm. uh, as it's found in our Constitution in order to join and become a member. Right. We did away with that because we pulled out the most important things that mm -hmm. a Christian should— should believe. believe in order to be a Christian and to join in fellowship with us. And the other areas that if the person could say, yeah, I can sign on to that, but not some of these other things that are in the Constitution, but I can bear with those. And, you know, that's doing theological triage too. But a lot of people in our circles, are the, probably the tendency is going to be more towards um, Everything is, is just <laughs> a doctrine that we have to hold to, right. and you can't disagree with right. me on. That can happen. I'm not bashing the church because I come from that right. stock. I, I'm i groomed in that kind of thinking. <laughs> we, uh, I was listening to somebody there talk about this, and they said it's helpful to know kind of where you lean, right? Like you're either naturally more sectarian or you're more like uh, nothing really matters and everybody's okay. So I think we would tend to... The, the fundamentalism runs deep in our blood. Right. And when one um, author of a, a blog piece I read on this said, 
A few Christians and churches naturally maintain a balanced grasp on both uh, prayers on our own. We tend to drift toward a unity that erodes truth or a truth that destroys unity. And so we often need recalibrating. Our inner ecumenist needs more backbone. Our inner watchdog needs less bite. Hmm. So all of us struggle on this to some degree or another. Right. We're not as concerned about some truths as we should be, yep. putting them in the importance they should be in, and others we're too concerned about them yep. when they're not as high on the scale of priority or importance. Yeah. So you're saying this is important just because kind of the water we swim in, maybe a little bit of our propensity and in, in history. That's one reason. That's one reason. Uh, second reason would be it helps it helps the unity of the church. Yes. Right. Um, you think about Jesus over and over in the new Testament, there are commands to unity. Um, I think about Ephesians four, right? I therefore prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Mm. Nothing causes greater disunity in the church than division over doctrine. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes it's what well, we would say maybe are doctrines that are of less significance, right. but people hold them mm-hmm. as if this is the most important thing. And since you don't agree with me, you're out of here. Right. And that's a distinction we need to make because right. there are doctrines that you must divide over. Yes. And we'll talk about that in a minute with the tier system. Mm-hmm. Okay. But um, Paul says in Philippians 2, complete my joy by being of the same mind. Yep having the same love, being in full accord of one mind. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's possible yep. when believers may disagree on certain doctrines. Yes. You can disagree on some things and still be of the same mind together. You can still worship together, serve one another, love one another in the context yep. of a local church. Now, there are some doctrines that are more important, that make it harder to worship in the same local church, but you would still have that kind of unity and that generosity of heart towards believers in other congregations who hold a little bit different views on some of these things as we do. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10, Paul says something very similar, be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Um, One thought I had on this, people will often say, you know, if you look at the if the church, you hear this from Roman Catholics, right? That they'll say, look, we have one pope, we have one church, one doctrine, There's everything's the same everywhere you go. And you look at Protestantism, you have all these different denominations, you have different Bible translations, you have all of this divergence of opinion and stuff. And they're like, there's no unity there. Here's the thought. What if that actually is an expression of unity in the sense of like, and I'm not talking every church that claims the label Protestant. But broadly speaking, Mm -hmm. most Protestants would agree to some of the core essentials of the faith, Mm -hmm. would be truly born-again believers, and then where we start to differ on the second-level issues. Mm -hmm. But is not churches splitting into different denominations, Christians going to different churches, in a sense, a way of preserving some unity? Yeah. You know, if we were all together all the time, it would be (laughs) <laughs> probably a lot more bickering and fighting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But in some sense, the separation actually continues unity right. in a strange way. Because I know for some Christians, the thought that there are a um, multiplicity of denominations, mm-hmm. non-denominations, you know, churches that believe just different things, 
is a real problem for yeah. them. Because in their mind, they're thinking, why would God allow his people to go into so many different mm-hmm. directions of belief over things like baptism? Yep. You have Presbyterians yep. and you have Baptists, right? right? And, and and just that issue has divided the church for centuries right. and divided it into separate congregations mm-hmm. and denominations. And for some people, that's really a, a troubling thought that God would allow that to happen. Mm-hmm. But I think we need to see, as you're, you're alluding to here, that um, God has a purpose in what he's doing. And if you look at those divided congregations and you laid out their doctrinal statements, what you will find is that for most of them, yep. the core essential, what yep. we're going to refer to as the first tier, yep. first tier doctrines that are essential to saving faith in the gospel, are there. Yep. Which means there is unity yep. with them. It is like I have this weird hobby sometimes of looking at other churches' websites. I don't know why, but I just do. And it is true. You look at the doctrinal statements and even in churches that <laughs> I wouldn't recommend people go to, right? We did a whole podcast <laughs> on some of those issues. They still have some of these essential doctrines that we right. share. Right. And in that way, they're brothers in Christ, right. sisters in Christ. Which means we got to, we, no matter where we land on our own theological triage, we've got to be careful to not uh, imply yeah. that... Christians that don't believe exactly like we do, especially in what we'll show you as the second and third tier right. issues, um, that there are any less Christians than we are, or less God's people. Yep. Because pride does that. Yes. You know, and um, so and all I, of this theological triage calls for humility. Yes. And I think that's especially important, especially in a church like ours where we value sound theology expositional preaching. Yep. We want to do things the right way. Right. Right. We do need to guard against we need to recognize our tendency towards spiritual right. pride. Especially when you're right on everything. It's really hard <laughs> when you see the people that are wrong on everything. But we've got to be humble, right? And <laughs> we're only right on everything. Yeah. By the grace of God. Right? All right. So we need theological triage because it helps preserve the unity of the church. Um, secondly, it guards us from improper separation, causing disunity where there need not be. This kind of talks about what we were just talking about. Yeah. Um, you can clearly mark out like, no, you actually are a believer Mm -hmm. and you are not right. right? Because what you believe and what you deny, things like that. And the third, uh, reason is that it preserves, preserves the truth of the gospel, right? We're told to contend for the faith. So there are hills to die on. There are absolute essentials that if you do not believe this thing, you're you're not a Christian. Mm-hmm. And so theological triage helps us to identify what those things are, really put our stake in the ground. This this issue matters. So the the question then or the the thing that maybe people are thinking is, okay, how do we do this? How do we determine what's in a a First order issue, what is a less uh, important issue? And this is challenging, right? Like this takes work, <laughs> right? wisdom, prayer, um, things like that. But 
how do we do theological triage? Well, let's just say first that I think most true Christians, most true Bible-believing churches, will come to pretty similar conclusions, especially on the first tier. Yes. Where maybe a couple more things would be added into it mm-hmm. for some than others. Yeah. Okay, but most are going to arrive at the same place on this core. That's what we were talking about earlier with the doctrinal statement. Right. But um, so essentially these are broken up into mainly three. Yeah. Three That's tiers. Al Mohler, when he wrote his initial arg- argument, had article had three Three, three tiers. tiers. So we, we pretty much agree with that, I think. Yeah. So you've got the first tier, first rank doctrines, and these are essential to the gospel itself. So the doctrine of a, of the Trinity, mm-hmm. as an example, uh, is a um, is something that is of that first tier. Uh, you have to believe this mm-hmm. in order to be saved. So I was just reading earlier as an example about. Uh, Arius mm-hmm. and the Arian debates in the uh, fourth century AD already that led to the uh, formulation of the Nicene Creed and teaching that you know Jesus is truly man and truly God, and by God we mean He is the Son of God of the same essence with the Father, just like the Spirit. Right. Yeah. So all three are are God. Um, and all three persons are God, et cetera, right? So that's in that that first tier, and because Arius started teaching against that, he ended up getting uh, ex- <laughs> booted. booted out, right? Because he, he rejected something that was essential to the gospel itself. It would also be maybe the, the um, not maybe, but it would be, uh, the atoning sacrifice of cross of Christ on the cross. He right. died for our sins, and he rose again. This is what Paul calls a first apportment. Right. Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, and he rose again. Right. Uh, second tier doctrines are urgent for the health and practice of the church, um, but they are not that believers, you can be a Christian yes. and disagree on these. Right. So what many people would put in the second tier, and this could be debated among some... This is where the big debates really happen. Yeah, right second in that second tier, yep. would be baptism. Yeah. You have Presbyterians who have a, a well-thought-out mm-hmm. biblical theology on baptism that mm-hmm. says we should be baptizing all our kids just like we were circumcising our kids under the Old Covenant. Right. Now the people of God should be doing this. So they're not just coming up with an unbiblical doctrine, they're just they're understanding the Bible in a different way. Right. And you have the Baptists, on the other hand, everyone else who said, we're, we know it's only people who have come to saving faith in Christ, newborn Christians, right. who you baptize right. in the New Covenant. And so that might be a second tier where you're probably not going to attend a church under most circumstances that doesn't believe like you do in that, mm-hmm. though you can acknowledge it as a true church, you can acknowledge that the gospel's there, that they're brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. Right? Yep. It affects—the second tier will affect probably where you go to church, though there are exceptions to Right. That. Yeah, the second tier, uh, that's going to mark out denominations and and fellowship to a degree, mm-hmm. not necessarily entirely cooperation, because, right. you know, like— especially with with conservative Presbyterians, well, that's some of our favorite people to listen to and read, right? Like, right. on all these other issues, except large, baptism is the big one, right. right? There's a ton of agreement and help, but yet I could never go to a Presbyterian church. Right. 
Right. I could if I had to. If right. if I lived in a place that that's all there was, yes. as long as he was solid on the gospel, preaching the Bible, right. I could go there. Yep. But they wouldn't even let me hold certain offices no. in the church ever because I'm not Presbyterian. You could be a pastor in a Presbyterian church. Right. You can be a member, interestingly, but you can't be a you know pastor or whatever. Yep. So. Those are that, that, that's really where a lot of the debates come in, but it's yep. not exclusively where they come in because these third rank or third tier doctrines are important, uh, but not enough really to justify or shouldn't be enough to justify separating or not being together. In okay. other words, under third tier, most you should be able to go to a church in fellowship where they have some third-tier issues that maybe aren't exactly mm-hmm. in line with where you're at. Mm-hmm. That's how I kind of understand mm-hmm. it, right? Yep, I think so. So, so an example would be if you take the return of Christ. Mm-hmm. Now, the bodily return of Christ to judge the living and the dead, right, is indisputable. That's first tier. Right. He's coming back. Right. But a But probably a third-tier issue would be some of the events surrounding that return or the timing of that return. So some Christians believe, well, let's just take a third-tier issue is, number one, a seven, a literal seven-year tribulation sure. period. Okay, it's a third-tier issue in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Some people may say, ah, oh, no, that's more second-tier. I couldn't go to a church that didn't believe there's a literal seven-year tribulation period, whatever. But whether Christ returns before that, in the middle of that sometime, or at the end of that... Right is third tier in the sense that it's not unimportant. No. But it really shouldn't separate you from other right. believers because it doesn't impact mm. much. No. And enter now people getting upset at me. <laughs> That's giving, a third tier issue. What are you talking about? Reasons why that why yeah. that does impact, but right. honestly, it doesn't. No. And and believers should be able to be in the same congregation right. and share a little bit different views on right. that return of Christ. Right. Now there are things about eschatology that would probably move up to second tier. You know, if you're a premillennialist mm-hmm. and you're trying to go to a postmillennialist church. That's probably going to annoy you. It could be, yeah, it could be annoying enough to where in your inner soul, it goes from <laughs> right. third tier to second tier. So you're like, right. I can't go to that church. Right. It's not that they're not Christians. It's right. not that I don't love them. It's just I need to find a church that lines up. Yeah. So. Now, the thing that, okay, this is, I think, where people people need to understand. There's not, there's some gradation between this, right? There, A spectrum is a good idea to keep in mind, right? There are second order issues that can have first-order implications. A good example would be women in ministry, right? We would say that's not an, an issue pertaining to salvation, but it is an issue that's pretty clearly taught in Scripture. Mm-hmm. And a church that chooses to deny that, mm-hmm. while they may not not be Christians, they're blatantly disobeying Scripture, right? Right. Um, so there's a so that becomes a second tier issue that has first tier implications, right? right Just right. like even you know a third tier issue can have second tier implications where it shouldn't necessarily affect your ability to go to church there, but it could, mm-hmm. right? So there's like things that kind of move up and down in right. that that vein. Does that make make sense? Yes, it does. And again, if you can't tell by this, there's nobody out there, right, that is defining what's first tier, second tier, third tier. This isn't just something that everybody's agreed right. on. So if you disagree with my pre-tribulational thing, 
you know, don't feel bad about that necessarily because people people can have even disagreements on where things are right. in a tier, right. tier system or whatever. Another point that I thought was helpful that I read from somebody else, especially in the second tier category, because there are a lot of second tier issues that affect the, that, like they're talking, that affects the health of a church. And so just like in, in the medical field, you have realms of health to unhealthiness in a triage situation. So a church's ability, and this is where it is important, like we want to get those second tier issues right. They're not, they're not, uh, we can't be indifferent about it, right? Like creation, Mm -hmm. women in ministry, eschatology, Mm -hmm. those things all matter Mm -hmm. and we need to be right on them as the Bible calls us to, yeah. because those things do affect the health of our church, right? Um, so I think that that understanding there's gradations from healthier to less healthy is important in understanding those yeah. those second-tier issues. And then just to throw this out, there yeah. are things like we've talked a lot about um, philosophy of worship service yes. ministry. We've talked a lot about that. We, it's an emphasis here, right, at our right. church where we emphasize that morning worship and the importance of it, having a good liturgy, all those things. And we have talked about things like the seeker-sensitive model. Mm -hmm. That, to me, needs to be in the tier structure here, right, of probably second tier. Yes. Because, obviously, people in the seeker-sensitive model are saved. You can be saved in the seeker-sensitive model. But that is so important that I couldn't go to a Mm seeker-sensitive church. Ironically, I could go to a Presbyterian church Mm -hmm. and watch them baptize an infant (laughs) because they're not imparting saving grace into that child like a Roman Catholic church would teach. But it would be tremendously difficult for me Mm -hmm. to go to a a truly seeker-sensitive model church. Yeah. And it has to do, again, with health on other areas, right? right? Like, I mean, they could even—most of seeker-sensitive churches are going to be credo-baptist, they're baptizing believers, but it has to do with the broader health issue. You know, another um, area, going back to the baptism discussion, and maybe this relates a little bit, but baptism, we would say, would be a second-tier issue, but could become a first-tier issue when people are saying, uh, you know, they're, they're talking about baptismal regeneration, Right. Well, now you're saying in order to be saved, you have to be baptized, right? Like you're saved through your baptism. Well, now this has become a first order issue because you're denying justification by faith alone. Or the same thing with the spiritual gifts, speaking in tongues. Uh, we would say that's a second order issue, very important second order issue. Um, and yet, if somebody says, well, you must speak in tongues in order to prove that you're saved and that you've been filled with the Spirit, now you've moved that into a first order order issue. Mm-hmm. Right. So I yeah. think it's important. Good. Uh, one other thing I wanted to draw out in, I think this is helpful for people when thinking about how do you determine, how do you discern what's a first order, second order, third order? And this is, uh, Joe Rigney wrote an article on Desiring God, and he brought this out from a couple of guys. Uh, I think this is helpful. First, you need the hermeneutical test, right? The clearer the Bible teaches a doctrine, the more likely it belongs on a higher tier, right? So things that are this is why I say, like, women in ministry or, or women preaching, women pastors, very clear, First Timothy 2, right? Um, others will argue with that, but that's clear, so higher on the, the list. The gospel test, the more central a doctrine is to the gospel, the more likely it belongs on a higher tier. This is where you're talking about the, the seven-year tribulation and a pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, post-tribulation rapture. doesn't relate to 
saving faith, you know? So depending on, on where that falls. And then the third one is the praxis test. The more a doctrine affects the practice of a church, the more likely it belongs on a higher tier. And this, at times, would you not agree that there are different doctrines or issues that are going to need to be emphasized more or thought about more than maybe at other times? I would think so. In the life of a church? Yes, in the life of a church. Things like that. And so we're going to say, hey, this is an issue that, you know, especially in the life of a church, we are going to make, this is a second tier issue with first tier implications or something. It's a very serious thing. And uh, so there, there may be need for 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 a division or things like that. Right. For things like that. I think we're calling for, in this, we're call, calling for our people to be thoughtful in these areas yeah. and to um, really be, be thinking through these things, to avoid being what uh, one, one person called uh, theological maximalists, <laughs> and that's where, um, or, or theological sectarians, yeah. they have trouble differentiating mm. these tiers and what's mm-hmm. important and what's not. They're they tend to raise everything up to the tier above it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so everything becomes something you fight for. Right. Um, The IFCA, the Independent Fundamental Churches of America, the organization became known as um, I Fight Christians Everywhere, you know, (laughs) or anywhere or something. But the idea is, and fundamentalists get that... that Rap. Rap, because they do that. Right. Everything is, no, I'm right, and you've got to be right. in line with me on every single doctrine. We right. want to avoid that. Right. On the other hand, we want to uh, avoid what he calls theological minimalism. Mm-hmm. Um, they have trouble even seeing anything as right. important enough to take a stand right. or divide over right. or make a decision on. Theology doesn't matter. Uh, doctrine doesn't matter. Can't we just all love each other, right, or yeah. whatever? And I think that in the middle is where we want to be. Yes. We want to have some backbone in theology. We also want to be humble. We want to be gracious. And so all of this calls for a humility among God's people. And that brings us back to what you said. The reason we do this is for unity in the, right. in the church. Right. We do this to be able to fellowship with others and serve others and love others and worship with others that might not agree with us um, on every point of doctrine. Right. Yeah. Well, that's a good place to land, and hopefully this conversation has helped people think about, okay, yeah, we do do theological triage. They notice now that they do it, and then they'll see how we do it as a church, and we do pray it promotes greater unity and uh, in, in, in the body. Well, thank you for listening to the podcast today. We pray that this conversation has served well the people here at Calvary Bible Church in Grand Junction. And whether you're a part of our church or not, we're praying that you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you like the podcast, consider giving us a review and a rating, sharing it with your friends. Uh, We love to hear from our listeners as well. So if you're part of our church, you can just come up and talk with us. You can send us a text or give us a call. Or you can send us an email at thecalvarycast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, topics you want us to tackle. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We are at thecalvarycast. At Calvary, we exist for the glory of God, the good of his people, and the Great Commission. So until next time.